Hold your Bible, lift it up real high. Shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Looking forward to that. Amen. Today we're talking about uh, what I would like to call God's love. And the subtitle is The Key to Spiritual Maturity. So if, you can take down, if you're taking down notes, write this down. God's love, the key to spiritual maturity. The Bible tells us a story in the book of Luke, chapter number 15, of uh, a man who had two sons. The title of the story is usually called The Prodigal Son. But if I was to retitle that story, I would call it the story of the good father. The story is told of uh, two sons, and the younger one went to the father, and he said to the father, Hey, dad, you know, I would like a portion of my inheritance right now before you die. And you must understand, Jesus was telling this story to religious people, legalistic uh, Pharisees. And he was telling them this story uh, because they had looked at him in the same chapter, Luke 15. They had seen Jesus, you know, dine with uh, tax collectors, going to their homes. And when they asked, they said, Master, why do you hang around with such people? He said, I came for that which was lost, so that it may be found. Amen? Amen. And legalistic people do not have the mindset that God is looking for the lost. They think God is looking for the clean, you know, the, the well made up. And Jesus tells them this story. And the first thing he wanted them to see was that this son was so disrespectful. So he's building up to something. And he says this son took his inheritance, went to a far country, and joined himself to the citizens of that land, to a Jewish mind that's unspeakable. To go and join yourself to a foreigner in another land. And this is why even today, if you get married to a Jew and you are not a Jew, they don't become you. You become them. Amen? And the second thing he did was he spent everything he had through riotous living. And by this time, man, the, 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 the pharisaical Jews can't take it. They're like, man, where is he going with this story? And he even went further. He said this man became, uh, began to be in want and when he began to be in want, he went to find a job as a head boy for pigs. He could have said as a head boy for sheep. But he said a head boy for pigs. It, to a Jewish mind, oh, abomination, outcast, write him off, cast him out. Don't have anything to do with him. Amen? And then not only did he go and work as a head boy, he felt like he wanted to eat the same stuff that the pigs were eating. <laughs> he said, if someone can just give me the same food, I'll eat it. And then Jesus says, the man came to himself when he thought about how his father, someone say father. God is not just a deity sitting somewhere disconnected to us. He is a father to us and we are his children. And the man said, when he came to himself, it was at the moment where he started thinking about how his father treated his servants. 
He said, man, even the servants in my father's house live better than this, than to eat pig food. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter number 2, verse 4, it is the goodness of God that leads or brings men to repentance. Man, you don't change people's ways. You don't make people want to be connected to God by preaching sin. You preach the kindness and the goodness of God and everyone will want to be connected to that God. And as he started thinking about the kindness of his father, he said within himself, Hey, even the servants in my father's house live better than this. So what am I going to do? I am going to go back to my father. And say, Father, I'm sorry. I don't have to be your son anymore. You know, you can you know, bring me in as one of your hired servants. And I know I'll live a better life than this. And he started walking back towards his father's house. And the Bible says, as he was busy negotiating this business deal in his mind, his father saw him afar off. And the father started running towards him. Man, by this time, the Jews can't take it. You're running to a man? Who was a head boy for pigs? I mean, this man is a cast out. He's an, and God, Jesus is trying to show them the heart of God. And he ran to him and held him in his hands, hugged him and kissed him. That's what the Bible says. But if you look in the original Greek, he kissed him repeatedly. And he said, bring him into the house. Kill the most fattened cow. For this, my son was once dead. Now he's come back alive. And he said to the servants, get the most expensive garments you have in this house and put it on him. Restore him to sonship. The man was thinking, man, if I can only be a servant. The father was thinking you are instantly restored to sonship. Put the best clothes on him. Put his ring back on him. He can now start conducting business on my behalf. Notice the father didn't say, wait, we're going to bring him in and give him three months probation to see if he's really got his act together. Do you see it? The father said, bring him in back right now. Put sandals on his feet. Let him stay in my house. And that's the new covenant mindset. In the olden uh, times, in the Old Testament, you and I did not have the right to come into the presence of God. In fact, when Moses tried to do it, God said, take your sandals off. This place that you stand is holy. But over here in the New Testament, he says, Bring, come on in with your shoes. In fact, he says in the book of Hebrews, let us go in how? boldly into the throne room of grace where we can obtain help in times of need. Now we can go into the very presence of God, not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. How many of you have ever flown economy? Just lift your hand and say, Pastor, I used to fly economy, but not anymore. <laughs> I still fly economy, some of you. Here's the thing. When you fly economy, just as the plane takes off and it reaches cruising altitude, the air hostesses come out and they, the, the, the ones who are serving in the business class close the curtain. <laughs> There's a thing in the Bible where the presence of the Lord was in the Holy of Holies and there used to be a, cur- a curtain about 30 centimeters thick to protect the presence of God from the people because God couldn't mix with these people. And when Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, he came and rented that curtain. Man, in the economy class, man, 
They treat you like you're in economy. They don't even tell you what you're eating. Now, I've never flown business or first class, but I was talking to Pastor Trevor the one time he did flying to Europe. He said, Pastor T, you won't believe what they do behind that curtain. I said, what do they do? He says, they give us a proper menu. That details the food you're eating. Over here in economy, they just say chicken or beef. <laughs> chicken, or, chicken or beef. And you, you, you need to have enough sense to know not to ask what kind of a chicken. Because you're already taking it way above what you paid for. <laughs> chicken or beef. But over there, they give them real cutlery in the business class. You can, you can get food when you want to. Over here in economy, once the food passes you if you're sleeping, <laughs> it's game over. Over there, you tell them when you want. And you know what Jesus Christ did when he came from the dead? He rented that thing and he said to everyone who was in economy, the Gentiles, everybody who couldn't qualify, he said, now you can come on in. How? Boldly wow. into the throne room of grace. Man, I feel like speaking in tongues. Amen. He says, now you can come in, not because of what you have done, but because of what I have done. And if you put your trust in what I have done, you can come right in. The father didn't even say to the man, you need three months probation to see if you have your act together. Restored him to full sonship immediately. And the older brother did not enjoy it. He didn't like it because he was a legalistic person. He said, man, I've been here a long time. I've been serving you. I've been doing all of this. But how come you've never thrown a party for me? Part of what he thought his reward was, was the punishment for the young brother. And that's the mindset of a legalistic person. They don't realize God is a good God and he loves people. Watch this unconditionally. All they have to do is put their trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, the only qualification to make it to heaven is who you put your trust in. Man, if you put your trust, and Jesus never rebuked anyone except religious leaders who thought they had their act together. Did you know that? Samaritan woman, five husbands, didn't rebuke her. Religious leaders calling him out for healing people, for doing good on a Sabbath, he rebuked them. Because they were basing their salvation on what they could do for God instead of what God did for them. Let me tell you, you have much, a much better Christian life living, letting God live through you than trying to live for God's approval. Because in your own strength, you can never attain it. In fact, he started detailing it in the Old Testament. He said, man, if you want to be a Levite, if you want to be the person who comes into my presence, you need to be this height. And he said, you can't have pimples on your face. Not only that, when you come into my presence, you better make sure, you better see to it that you won't drop a sweat. Because I'll strike you. Instantly. What was God trying to do? He was trying to show you that in your own strength, you can never attain the standard. So what do you do? You come to a place of despair and you say, man, I need a savior. And boom, Jesus becomes relevant to you. Hallelujah. So God loves you. Unconditionally. Let's go now to Ephesians chapter number 3, verse 14. Thank you, Jesus. It says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Apostle Paul praying and preaching at the same time. From whom the whole family, someone say family, 
in the New Testament, we are God's children and we are part of the family. Amen? We have a relationship with the Father. We are his kids and he is our daddy. Amen? He says, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through how? Faith. Notice, Jesus Christ has to dwell in your heart by faith and not by feeling. Because sometimes you don't feel like you're saved. But it's got nothing to do with, faith, uh, uh, with feelings. It's got everything to do with faith. Someone shout, I know, I know. beyond my Noah, beyond that Jesus Christ dwells within me, dwells within me. richly. All the time. time. You have to do it by faith. When you feel good, when you don't feel so good, Christ still dwells within you richly. Amen? Amen. Watch what he says. He says that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height in other words, the love of God has different dimensions. Amen? He says, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Did you read it? Sounds like an oxymoron, right? To know something that is beyond. He says, I want you to know something, but this something I want you to know is beyond your capacity to know it. So how am I going to know it? See, there is a problem with the English language. See, this word love has been minimized. Because you can say, you know, I, I love ice cream, I love my wife, I love my children, I love God, and I also love Arsenal. <laughs> but those are all different words in the original Greek. And he's saying, yeah, the same word no also has been minimized. Because we think knowledge is the ability to mentally ascend. Or intellectually understand things that are going on around us. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying, so that we may be able to know. The first word know there is gnosko in the Greek. It means an intimate experiential knowledge that brings about a conception. He's saying know God at the level of experience, of intimacy. This is why the Bible would say in the olden times, and Adam knew his wife Eve and she conceived. It is an intimate knowledge of God that is beyond knowledge, that is beyond gnosis. The second word knowledge is gnosis. It is scientific knowledge. Man, you cannot figure out God's love. You can only receive it as it is. Because everywhere else you have to earn your love. They're not going to pay you a salary, you know, pastor. I'm under grace, so I'm just going to sign a contract, not go to work, be late. Why? Because I'm under grace. It's not conditional, and then you give me a salary. No, they'll fire you. Amen? Everyone else is treating you conditionally. Oh, you know, I'm just going to act like a crazy person, cheat on my wife, be a... A, a rebel and do all, uh, and she must love me, agape, unconditional. No, she, she's gonna she, she's gonna file for something and get rid of you. Everyone else treats you based on conditions, and this is the reason why people can't fathom a God that treats them unconditionally. Yeah, that's good. Uh, 
And this is why religious leaders have to come up with conditions because they can't understand how God can love this. So we have to come up with something. If you, you, you know, your dress has to touch your ankles or something, we have to come up with something so people can feel like this God really loves them because they've earned it. No, God loves you because he is love, not because you're lovable. And you just have to receive it. You, you, man, you have to get on with it and receive it intimately. And as you do, you will begin to birth something. You will conceive God dreams. But it has to come through God's kind of love. This is why the title of this sermon is God's love, the key to spiritual maturity. You can never walk in full spiritual maturity without a revelation of how much God loves you. In fact, you can never defeat sin without realizing how much God really loves you. When I used to have a problem in college, I used to like listening to hip-hop, all the swear words, cuss words, everything. Man, and I tried to get rid of that thing based on the law. You know, my youth pastor said, we're going to have a bonfire, and all the things that are causing you problems, trip-ups, bring them, we're going to burn them. Yeah, you need to start living holy, you people. You people will... And I brought my tape, man, and we burnt them. And within two weeks, I had started recollecting my tape. Because <laughs> it was based on legalism and all this stuff. Amen? Amen? But once you catch the revelation of how much God loves you unconditionally, it changes the way you act. The root for transformation, the root for repenting is to catch this revelation of how much God loves you. It begins to produce the fruit of holiness. A lot of people are trying to alter the fruit without changing the root. You know, they just take off lemons and take orange and paste them like, yeah, I'm a nice person now. But the root is still lemon. How do we fix the root? We change the root by changing your perception of God. God is not angry with you. God loves you. God wants to be reconciled with you. God just doesn't want to be God. He wants to be your father. We read last week and the Bible says if you, you know, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will God, your father, give the Holy Spirit to his children, those who ask him? He has given us a spirit of Christ, a spirit of adoption, whereby we cry what? Ah, but Father, where we can say Father, Father, twice it's a term of endearment, of love, of a connection, of a relationship that can only be entered into by having an intimate knowledge of how much God loves you. Where not the bishop, not the apostle, not the prophet, you. And you have to catch it in the spirit. Someone shout, God loves me. Unconditionally. See, God's love for you is not based on you know, what you did in the foreign land. He's ready to have you back. He's ready to be connected with you. He's ready to restore you to full sonship. All you need to do is to stop condemnation, feeling guilty, inferior, based on your actions, and start focusing on how much God loves you. And as you tap into that, your taste will change. Hallelujah! So he says for you to know this love which surpasses knowledge. Did you see it? Which surpasses knowledge. What will happen when you do that? So that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. 
You want to live with the fullness of God? Catch this revelation that God loves me unconditionally. Let us go now to 1 John chapter number 2, verse 2. Thank you, Jesus. See, there's a difference between trying to live for God and letting God live through you. See, if you're trying to live for God, you're doing it in your own strength. But if you let God live through you, God is kind. God is love. God is all the things. God is forgiveness. God, God is generosity. The reason why people don't give, the reason why people are not generous is because they have not fully caught the revelation of how much God loves them. They have not fully caught the revelation of letting God live through them. Hallelujah. First John chapter number 2 verse 2. This is the Apostle John writing and he says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. How many of you want to get, get to a place of no sin? He's saying, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not. N-O-T. There's a place called a place of not sinning. And he is saying, man, I'm writing these things so that you get to that place where you won't miss the mark. And what is it that he's writing? You would imagine he's going to write, man, if you don't want to sin, you're going to have to do this and do that. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt. No, he didn't. He says, and if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the whole world. Now, by this, we know that we know him if we keep his what? commandments and i know a lot of you are thinking oh okay uh, if i know that i know him or if the sign that i know him is keeping the commandments then i must start keeping the commandments better that's not what he's saying he's saying all you have to do is to know him and if you know him the fruit will change so a lot of people read this scripture and i think it's called dyslexia you know what dyslexia is? People that read uh, God as dog. So they read words uh, back to front. It's called dyslexia. It's a condition. It's a real condition. And people read this with dyslexia. They are looking at it like, if we want to be sure that we know God, then we must keep his code. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, all you have to do is to know God. And the fruit of keeping his commandments will become a sign that you already know God. So if you can't keep his commandments, you don't have a sin problem. You have a knowledge problem. Hallelujah. You probably know the wrong God. You probably know the wrong one, the angry one, the one who's causing all these hurricanes and tsunamis to get our attention. That's not God. I always get into trouble when I preach like this overseas. Because they think it's God. In fact, they classify it in their insurance policies as acts of... No, it's not God. God is good and he's good all the time. We have an adversary called Satan. That's not God who's doing that. And when you have the true knowledge of who God is, and that God is love, and that God is a father who's waiting for you to come back home and he runs towards you smelling like a pig. Having eaten pig food and he embraces you and put on 
brand new expensive clothes on you and a ring. Not just any ring, but a diamond ring. Big 6,000 carat diamond ring on you. The same day, put sandals on your feet. Kill the most fattened cow in the land. Throw a party. Without checking, without a reference check. He's expressing his love. If you don't have the knowledge of that God, if you're still at the place where, but Pastor T, we know that God is in control and is controlling all these hurricanes. You know, if you try to theologize the God kind of love, you're never going to keep his commandments. But if you know that God loves you, it won't be such a struggle. And that's all we have to preach. You know, I got a really encouraging testimony at Life Group this week. You know, a brother came and he said, you know, Pastor, some of you may not know, but when I joined the church, I was a gangster. You know, I was, I was rough. And then this guy started hearing about how much God loves him. You know, at a life group and in church on Sunday, started bringing him to a place of repentance, change of heart from the inside out. And he decided he had been on a five-year uh, engagement. Five years, just waiting. And after hearing how much God loved him, he was like, man, I want to get married. No one forced him. No pastor came to you, thou shall get married. <laughs> because thou is living in sin. No, we're not moral police. We just preach the love of God and it brings men to repentance. Yeah. Came to say, Pastor, I want to get married. In the same month, organized his, uh, his and her wedding. God paid for it. In the same month, miracles happening. Someone would just come and give them a dress. Someone would come and say, man, you can have the restaurant. You can have food, whatever, whatever. He's driving to his wedding ceremony. Someone drives into his car and bumps him. And that old nature is now fighting to come back, the gangster. But guess what? He now knows how much God loves him unconditionally. And because of that, he can now love other people unconditionally. The problem is you've been trying to love other people unconditionally in your own strength. And let me tell you, you can't do it. All you have to do is to submit to his love and say, Lord, I know you love me. 100%. I may be crazy. I may have a nature of sin on the inside of me. And most of you still do. And it tries to rise up. Have you ever been on a tall building and something just comes up on you and says, jump? <laughs> Where did that come from? Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's, you know. I'm standing on a tall building and I look at this. Something from somewhere says, jump. <laughs> you know, what would happen if I jump? It's the sin nature. It's still trying. But guess what? When you have the full revelation of God, you can defeat the sin nature. Amen? I said amen. Is it making sense? Okay. Let's go now to verse, what verse am I? Verse 4. He who says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. So all you have to do is to know him. To know the true nature of God. Amen? All you, that's all you have to do. Just work on your knowledge of God. Amen? And watch what else he says. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected or matured in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk as he walked. So keep, uh, keeping his commandments is a fruit of knowing him. Amen? Amen. 
Living holy should always be because of your new nature and your revelation of God, not because of legalism or circumstances. There are two kinds of people that try to live holy. Those that want to keep the details of the law in their own strength, and they always fail. That's what Jesus said of the Pharisees. I mean, these dudes would keep the commandment to the T. But Jesus said, the way you are doing it brings death. I mean, these dudes would tithe spices. You know when you go to pick and pay and buy spices? <laughs> they would bring a tithe of spices and cumin to the church. When they go and buy 750 uh, meals of cooking oil, they would tithe off of that. Yeah. 75 meals. They were tithing everything. And Jesus said, you're doing it the wrong way. The law was never given for you to keep. It was given so that you realize you can't keep it. And when you realize you can't keep it, you now need a savior. And then Jesus becomes relevant to you. And there's a second class of people that keep the law because of circumstances. You know, if you're broke, you're going to be holy. Because you can't go anywhere. The pastor, I was staying at home. You know, I'm staying at home. Hallelujah. Just stay. No. <laughs> you probably sinned in your heart. You probably went in your heart. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh, broke people don't, you know, they, they live holy by accident. Or if no one wants to commit sin with you. <laughs> it's like, no, I, I don't. No. no one wants it, so I'm living holy. No. The only way you should live holy is because of the new, new nature of God on the inside of you. Because you have put your trust in what Jesus Christ accomplished for you. Amen? Amen. Not legalism. Not circumstances. Let's go now to Romans chapter number 8 as we get ready to wrap up. Is this good so far? Someone shout, God loves me. Unconditionally. Someone shout, God is for me and not against me. God is not trying to get you. you know, that, I think that if I'm to have, uh, uh, if I'm to classify uh, doctrines uh, by standards, the doctrine that says God is omni-control, God controls every little thing that happens, you know, someone dies, oh, God, you know, it was God's will, and, you know, God is trying to work something in there, you know, that doctrine is probably the worst doctrine. That has ever hit the earth. Because it renders people passive. People won't resist the devil. Because everything that happens after all. It happened because of God. Who is controlling every little thing. Hallelujah. Let's go now to Romans 8. From verse 5 to 8. In the New Living Translation. Romans 8. From 5 to 8. In the New Living Translation. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about what? But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about what? Next verse. So letting, that word letting means you have the power. It means you have the power to let it or not let it. He says, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to what? Death. But letting the spirit or the word of God control your minds, uh, your mind leads to what? Life and peace. Next verse. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. 
It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. Next verse. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can N-E-V-E-R, please God, can never, please God. Those who are not saved can never. N-E-V-E-R. If you are not saved, you can never, please God. You know why? Because your nature hasn't changed. Remember, if any man be in Christ, is a what? New creature. You have a new nature. If man, you can try it in your own strength, but you can never be pleasing to God. You know, pray three times a day, looking to, towards the east. You know, pray through the thing and so on and so forth. Bomb people in the name of the Lord. Man, if you're doing it in your own strength, you will never please God. But if you have your nature changed on the inside of you, God will begin to live through you. So instead of focusing on the length of your skirt, just focus on receiving God in your heart. You know, we had, I, I used to be a youth pastor, 2002 at a local church, and the problem we had during that time was, you know, all the young girls in our youth group used to dress scandalous. Almost all of them. Not all of them. Scandalous. All of them. And then, you know, we were having youth, and man, and this woman just couldn't take it anymore. So she came, said, you boys, I need to see you. All the leaders called us to a meeting. Said, you see how all these little girls are dressing, coming to church? You're going to have to tell them they can't come anymore. And we thought about it, and I said to her, would it, would it be better for them to dress like this here at church or in the cloud? And she was like, no, I never thought about it. Let them come. And when they came and heard the word, it changed their hearts. And most of them, I don't go two months without getting a message from at least one of them saying, Pastor, thank you for tolerating us and preaching the goodness of God to us. Thank you for telling us that God loved us unconditionally, regardless of the length of our skirts. Because that doesn't matter. See, sometimes we focus too much on the fruit and not on the change of heart. But if a man's heart is changed, he will live wholly by default than he has ever tried intentionally. Man, all you need to do is to submit to a change of heart. And you know, when you do that, the Apostle James says, every young girl becomes your sister, and every older girl becomes your mother. But if you don't have your heart changed on the inside, your nature, by receiving God's kind of love for you, you're going to have to fight all the days of your life. Hallelujah! Oh man, this is good. Okay, let's go back quickly to... Uh, Verse 17 of Ephesians chapter number 3, and then we close. Verse 17. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts. As you trust him, your roots will grow down into God's what? And keep you strong. So what will keep you strong? When your roots grow deep into theology. No. When your roots grow deep into uh, uh, not sinning. No? When your roots grow deep into what? Did you see it? So all you have to do is work on your roots. Root system. Find out uh, uh, more ways of how much God loves you. Go to places where they teach that God loves you. And that he's not angry with you. And that you don't have to do cartwheels and perform things for you to get God's approval. You're already in the house. 
Everything belongs to you. And as you grow deep, you're going to be spiritually mature. The only mark of a mature Christian is someone who has received fully the revelation of God's love for them and can manifest it into others. This is how I measure whether you're spiritually mature or not. Not by tongues, not by how many, you know, praise and worship songs you have memorized. No, I measure it by your ability to love the unlovable. Can you walk in love? Because that's where it's at. And the only way you can do it is to receive fully God's love for you. The son didn't say, oh no, don't put this you know, expensive clothes on me. Oh no, I don't want that ring. Or, what are you doing? I'm being humble. No, you're not. You are keeping your roots shallow. He embraced the love of the father. And this word love, man, the English word is minimizes. Four different kinds of uh, 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 words for love in the Greek. The first one is storge, which is S-T-O-R-G-E, the familial quality of love. The kind of love that you have for your parents, siblings, and so on and so forth. They say blood is thicker than water. Man, some of your siblings can get on your last nerve. But you can't help it but to what? Just love, man. I, I love you, but man, I... called storage. You can't help it because you're connected by blood. Amen? The second one is philia. Remember Philadelphia? The brotherly love. Reciprocal love, quality of love you feel for a friend. And it's also conditional. Both of them are conditional. Storage is con the condition is blood. This one, the condition is man, if you want to be my friend, you better give me something to work with. Some of you have friends that you're not friends with anymore. You know why? Because friendship is conditional. Philia. And the third one is eros. It's also conditional. It's the love that is shared between a man and a woman. Amen? It's based on your, your, your ability to communicate. It's based on your ability to give, your ability to forgive, your ability to do romantic things. Man, you, you stop that love flowing. You stop the money flowing in that marriage. Man, she, she's not going to love you like she used to. Amen? <laughs> it's the condition. Hallelujah. But this one that God is talking about is called agape. It's the God kind of unconditional love. And when you reach a place where you can accept Jesus' unconditional love and acceptance for you without reservation then spiritual maturity kicks in. But you have to receive it and not feel guilty about it. Someone shout, God loves you. Unconditionally. You know what this means? This means you may have a speed bump in the road. You may make a mistake, but it doesn't change the way God loves you, the way Jesus loves you. And that is empowering for you to defeat sin. Why don't you stand on your feet? Was that good? Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you for your love that surpasses knowledge. That surpasses scientific knowledge. That surpasses what we can figure out. Father, right now I pray for each and every individual under the sound of my voice that they may bask in this love. That they may receive it and begin to walk in it. Father, I thank you that you may receive. I pray that you may re release 
reveal a revelation of your love to these your children that they may know the depth the height the breadth and the width of your love the multi-dimensional levels of your love lord i pray for each and every person under the sound of my voice that they may receive your love without reservation without looking at their performance without looking at what they have done or not done father i thank you that these your children are loved and that they receive your love and bask in it father we thank you that you loved us unconditionally we thank you that we are your children we are the loved of god thank you jesus thank you lord thank you for your love thank you for your grace unearned unmerited favor unearned unmerited relationship Jesus thank you Lord thank you father thank you Jesus in Jesus name we have prayed and everyone says amen. man I'm telling you as you walk out walk in that confidence that God loves me when you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror it doesn't matter what how people treat you it doesn't matter what people have said to you god loves you and he has restored you to full sonship 100% right in his house in his eyes you are man the bible says he is mindful of you that means he thinks about you all the time amen isn't that isn't that awesome that's the good news that's the gospel amen and we also love you and remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 for we walk by faith and not by sight we love you god bless you greet three or 1000 people and tell them you love them amen <laughs>